listening to the Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast. Today's message comes to us from Senior Pastor of Marietta Seventh-day Adventist Church, Matthew Smith. It's good to be home. I've been here and gone, here and gone. It's nice to be back home for a change. Last Sabbath, I was uh, suffering through the wind and the surf and the sunshine down at Panama City Beach, thinking of you. I don't know if that counts. Uh, In fact, I'm not really a beach guy, so it was kind of suffering at some level. I had a blast as well. Uh, But it's good to be home. Next Sabbath, I'm gone again. Pastor Luke and Pastor Connor, by the way, if you haven't met Pastor Connor, he's on the front row. He's a graduating theology major. He got a call to the Florida Conference, but we roped him in for a summer of serving here and experiencing ministry here. So if you haven't seen him, say hey to him at the front row um, or whatever you see him. So the three of us are gone to camp meeting next week. And so Pastor Wilma will be speaking, and I know that God will bring a message through her that's powerful in your life. Have you ever been driving in a car and listening to a song, and you hear the words of the song, and you think, wow, that tells me something different about God. That happened to me uh, not too long ago. Um, In fact, I've listened to this song so many times now that I could probably sing it for you. I won't, don't worry. Um, And it changed, not changed, but enforced my picture of who God is. And this morning, as we let James do the talking to us, um, I'm praying that the picture you have of God is a picture of a God that's full of mercy and grace for you. So let's pray and we'll dive into the message. Heavenly Father, this morning, uh, it's a rich, high Sabbath as we uh, watch Jasmine Uh, take a step forward in her walk with you, and it's powerful to me. And so I ask that you continue speaking to us and allow us to know you better at the end of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. This past Tuesday, we were coming home from the beach, Panama City Beach, driving home. Tuesday, uh, we get to Columbus, Georgia. That's the hometown of my wife. She was born there. Um, It's her birthday on Tuesday. And so we stop at Cracker Barrel, my favorite restaurant in the world. You guys like Cracker Barrel? Mm, some, did someone say no? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It is the best restaurant in the world. If I could eat one meal, every meal, for the rest of my life, I would have their French toast with the peaches on top, with the whipped cream on top of that. Somebody, can I get a witness? Anybody? Mmm, that is some good stuff. And if they do it right, they'll have a little extra peach compote on the side that's left over that you can sop up with some of those biscuits. We're in the South. Sop is the appropriate word for that. And and I know that I would probably die from eating that every meal, but I would die happy, and that means something. But all this is side note. So we're at Cracker Barrel on Tuesday. Jen's hometown. It's her birthday. I'm thinking we're going to get hometown treatment. We we get there, and uh, the hostess, nice young lady, she takes us to our our table. We sit down, and this good-looking young guy comes up. His name's Cody. Uh, he's, got, he's a one-star waiter. If you, if you see the Cracker Barrel uh, aprons, they have rising star. That's the, you're not even there a year. Then one star, two star, three star, four star. They might even have five stars. He's a one star, so he's not a newbie. He's been around the block a time or two. His name's Cody. Nice guy, making eye contact. Uh, he's, he's well-spoken. Great guy. I'm thinking, this will be a great experience. And so he takes our drink order, waters for all four of us. These two guys are going to need lids on their cups. He goes to... To, to get the water. A few minutes later, he comes back and he says, I just want to thank you for being nice. And I'm thinking, have we been nice? I, I, mean, what do I, I mean, I said water, please. Maybe that was nice. 
Or is he apologizing for the rest of the time we're here? I don't know. We'll find out. So he takes our, our food order, and we're in a hurry. We're trying to get back for Canaan's last swimming lesson of this section. We're trying to get home. There's enough time to sit down and eat. We don't have to do fast food. But, you know, there's not a lot of extra time. So we're kind of, you know, wanting to take things along and, and move them rapidly. So we're ready to order. He gives us our waters, and we say, we'd like all these things, French toast with peaches, yes, yes. And uh, he goes to go get our biscuits and cornbread. Well, a few minutes later, he comes back, gives us the biscuits and, and cornbread, and we devour them instantly. And then we begin, begin the game every parent hates, which is called entertaining your children while you're waiting for food. You've been there, many of you before. Cracker Barrel is an excellent place for this. We played I Spy with all the different antiques on the wall. I see something red. Oh, Daddy, where is it? We played that golf tee jumping game. You've played it before. You know the one that makes you feel like an idiot after you do it? Some of you know the, the, the way to do it. You get one. I don't. Never done it, I don't think. Uh, 20 minutes later, he comes back. Oh, he, he comes back and, and talks to us. Um, oh, I, I'm not even sure what he did then. We talked. Then I went to the checkerboard with Catherine Kane. We're playing checkers by the fire. 20 more minutes pass. We're, we've been there like 40 minutes now. He comes up and he says, Ah, I'm really sorry. When I put your order in, I forgot to hit send. I'm a little frustrated at this point, but I always want to give grace. I always want to give it. I don't want to hold somebody hostage on a mistake they made. And so I say, Hey, it's okay. No worries. So uh, we finish the checkers, we go sit down at the table, more minutes pass, he finally comes to the table, and, uh, um, oh, sorry, let me back up a little bit, Jennifer and I are sitting at the table, we're looking at our watch, we're closing in on being there an hour, we got to get out of this place, and so we make the decision that we're going to get this as a to-go order, and so I get Cody's attention, he comes over to the table and I say, hey Cody, man, we got to go man, um, can you make this a to-go order? And he says, yeah, sure, sure, no problem, and he goes off. Jennifer takes the boys, we go, they go to the bathroom, they're ready to go to the van, you know, to speed things up. Ten more minutes pass, Cody comes back to the table, still no food. He says, hey, um, I'll meet you at the front where you can pay for it, and I'll give you your food then. Okay, great, this is efficient, we'll do this. I go up, I stand there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. The lady in front of me was one of the tables that he had served as well, and um, she's complaining to the person behind the cash register. And the lady says, would you like to speak to a manager? Says, no, no. They reduced her bill just to the entree. She only had to pay six bucks for her whole meal. She leaves cranky. I'm, I'm on the verge of cranky, not quite there. And like, it takes a lot for me to get angry, a whole lot. I, it, it just doesn't happen too often. Um, and so I'm, I'm there, but I'm, I'm at the point where I'm frustrated to where I'm assertive, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I, I mean, I've waited another five minutes standing at the desk waiting because I don't have a ticket to pay. Finally, it's time. I have to go. And so I just walk up to the counter and I said, hey, we had biscuits and cornbread and water. Our food never came. I'd like to pay for my biscuits and cornbread, and then I've got to go. And the lady behind the counter, she can tell that I'm frustrated. And so on her little earpiece, she says, I need a manager right now. <laughs> I didn't say I'm a pastor. It's okay. They, they might not have believed me. I don't know. So manager zips around the corner, and he said, well, tell me what happened. I said, well, our, our food never came, and we've got to go. I just need to pay for this, and then I need to get out of here. And um, right then, who comes around the corner? Cody, with a big bag of food, French toast. All the while I'm thinking, how am I going to eat French toast while I'm driving? <laughs> There's the food. And I say, great, here's the food. Let me just pay for it. Let's get out of here. 
And the manager, he zips around the counter, and he's doing some stuff on the computer. I can't see what he's doing. He's not even looking at me. Beep, 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 beep. And then he comes back around the counter, and he hands, he hands me his hand. And he looks me in the eye and says, sir, I am so sorry about this today. Um, this is not the standard that we do here at this restaurant. We apologize. Cody is having a rough day. I wasn't looking for a free meal. It's time to go. I said, thank you. It's okay. And we left. And for the next hour, as Jennifer is cutting up, bites at a time to feed me. I was processing and reflecting over what had just happened because I'm thinking about Cody. And like, I don't know what's going on in this guy's life. I don't know how, what he's hurting. I, I don't know what's happening with his girlfriend. I don't, know, I don't know all the drama that's in his life. I don't know what's happening, but something's happening because as he's there, uh, he's obviously fumbling every single table that he's with. People are frustrated with him. Um, he's telling me, like, I'm glad you're nice. It's amazing what people will say. I don't even know what that means, but somebody somewhere had said something mean to him. And, and so then I'm thinking, so now what is the manager going to do with him? Is this the last day that Cody works at Cracker Barrel? Is, is the manager going to say, Cody, I know you're, you're kind of in a, in a slump right now. You've got to get your head straight. Go home. Come back again tomorrow and try again. Is, is Cody going to get fired? Is the manager going to lower the hammer with judgment and say, you're done, or is he going to show mercy? In a day and age that we're at now, where we're always trying to get what is rightfully ours, where selfishness is the name of the game, where people are always ready to point the finger of accusation that says, it's your fault, you screwed up, you messed up, you owe me. In an age where everyone is judging, where's the mercy? And as so often, we filter our picture of who God is through the picture of how we see each other. And we bring him down on a human scale and say he must look like this because that's how everyone else looks. And today, as we let James talk to us, I hope that you can see that the true God of the universe is a grace giver. He's a mercy lover. And his mercy triumphs over his judgment. If you've got your Bible with you, I encourage you to open them to James chapter 2. It's in the back of your Bible, not quite to Revelation. You've got some Peters and some Johns in there. James is right before that. I love the book of James. It is a rich book that just just helps Christians on their spiritual journey. In fact, the stuff that's in the book of James not only can encourage you, but it also will help you as you, as you try to honor God in every part of your life. Uh, James, he's uh, probably the brother of Jesus, and he probably didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so uh, he has a conversion process in his life where he, he says, wow, Jesus was the Son of God. And he comes to a point where he's prominent in the Christian church. He speaks and people listen to him because he's, powerful and prominent. He's not Paul, the church planter. He's James, but with the same kind of authority. And he speaks to Christians, and he speaks to you and me this morning. James chapter 1, just popping through a few of these verses. We're going to James chapter 2. James 1, man, it's filled with some good stuff if you want to grow your life to honor God more. Here are some things. Try this one. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's powerful. You don't know what to do? 
Ask the one that made it all, the one that knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't find fault. He just wants you to to grow and develop and and do what's right. Jump down here, verse 12, chapter 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I mean, that's a word for somebody this morning. Blessed is he who perseveres, for they have the crown of life that God's promised. Somebody had to hear that this morning. Verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I mean, are you seeing how James is painting the picture of God? He's this God that wants you to succeed. He wants to bestow wisdom on you. He knows the trials you're going through, and he wants to travel with you along the way. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. He never changes. He's the same God Every day, today, tomorrow, and forever. And when we get into James chapter 2, James begins to talk to Christians everywhere, uh, talking about living a life that honors God and not showing favoritism. Ah, it's, it's pretty cool. He's talking about lots of different things. He, he says, hey, you shouldn't show favorites whether they are rich or poor, black or white, whether they are educated or not, he even says whether they're Republican or Democrat. You look for it. It's in there somewhere, I'm sure. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, we get to the passage that we're kind of looking at today. A lot of, a lot of kind of context to get you where we are. Uh, James starts, continues talking about favoritism. He talks about the law. Here we go. James chapter 2, verse 8. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Whatever version you choose is fine too. Here's what it says. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, here's what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. I mean, this is a powerful passage as it looks at the law of God, and it says, look, the whole law is one. It puts God's law on an even playing field. While most of us have never killed someone, how many of us have taken his name in vain? While most of us have never had an affair or committed adultery, how many of us have lied? There's not worse sins than others, it's sin. It's breaking the law. James says if you broke one of them, you broke them all. In other words, if you have sinned in any way, you're a sinner. Uh, You know this verse well, Romans. says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you've broken one, you broke them all. And I do think it's funny how we take the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and we put them on this pedestal and say, if I just keep those then I'm good. And yet there's so many other things in life that don't represent the God that created you that we don't ever talk about. I mean, how often do we misrepresent Him with the way that we talk? Or how we harbor hate in our hearts? Or how we give in to anger? Or how we'll step on anybody to get what we want? When we misrepresent God, we are sinning. In fact, every one of us here this morning is guilty. We're all convicted. We're all under judgment. We've broken the law and now we're condemned. And somebody says, back off, Pastor Matt. 
Take it easy. And I'm proud to say, or I'm glad to say, that James takes us to the next step because if we just stop with the judgment piece and we look at God with this pointy, crooked finger as he's pointing out our faults, then we miss the picture of who God really is. And James paints that picture for us in verse 12. Here's what he says. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Pause there for a minute. James says, look, live your life uh, as a reflection of God's character, which is this Ten Commandment law. I mean, God gave us this law. It's a freeing law because it's designed to, you live in this and you live with the Creator in your heart. This law isn't some, a list of things that demands that you got to do. It's not a thing that, ah, oh, you messed up. It's a beautiful design that says, live within this and you'll live as the Creator designed it. This is how you should live. And he says, give mercy to others because you're judged with mercy too. Here's the last phrase, the last sentence, and it's so powerful to me. In verse 13, it says this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I don't know if you heard it. Let me try that again. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, how often we get hung up on the judgment part and we miss the mercy part. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, this last week as I was working on this message and I was brooding over that line because this is the line that's in, in a song that just meant so much to me and, it's, and it's, it's, it shows me about God. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I, I dug a little deeper in this. The verb in there for triumph is this beautiful word. It's kind of hard to say. Katakauksatai. I'm sure I said that pretty close. Katakauksatai. You might translate it like this. To assume superiority over. How about this one? To glory over, to boast against, or to triumph over. I mean, I, I, see, a, I see a guy flexing, almost like a battle scene, and this guy is ready to triumph. I've I got a better visual for you, because we're talking about abstract words, but I want to make it concrete so you can think about it and remember it. In 2000, the Olympics were in Sydney, Australia. Some of you here weren't even alive at that time. That's a long time ago. That's 19 years ago. Year 2000, Sydney, Australia. I love watching the Olympics, especially basketball, because America dominates every time. I'm sorry if you came from a different country that got dominated recently, but we're in America, so hoorah. Anyway, uh, we should dominate because we invented the sport. And I love watching basketball, especially against some countries that bring their JV squad to the American All-Stars. I'm a proud American. I can't help it. Um, and in 2000, we had a, an amazing All-Star group of people. Uh, some of you will know some of these names. Some of you won't. That's okay. Gary Payton, a.k.a. The Glove. Anybody remember him? Okay. Apparently not. Jason Kidd. Anybody? How about this guy? Do you remember the three-point sharpshooter named Ray Allen? He was there. Kevin Garnett, KG. You, some of you probably have his shoes right now. Not wearing them now. You might. I don't know. But one of the memories of that year was from a young buck named Vince Carter. Came into the NBA with the Toronto Raptors. Um, this is before he lost all his hair or, or shaved it off. He's still got hair. He looks kind of funny. And as, as America, USA, is playing France, they're up by like 20 points. Uh, America misses a layup, and France gets the rebound, and they throw the ball down court. Vince Carter intercepts the ball, 
turns to his own basket, dribbles the ball a couple times, and gets met with the presence of six foot two, sorry, seven foot two, Michael Weiss. Seven feet two inches? Are you kidding? That's a big boy. And so Vince is met in this battle where what's he going to do? Is he going to go around? Is he going to pause and pass? What's he going to do? You want to see what he did? Do you want to see what he did? All right, here we go. Slow him down, which he did. The paint still goes right at it. This fires. Bonato gets with a sloppy pass. Carter ends. Oh! <laughs> Let's watch that again. And the crowd responds to a spectacular dunk from Vince Parker. This crowd likes to read the United States because the overwhelming favorite, but they love when this stuff happens. You couldn't see it because Kevin Garnett's like seven foot two as well. One more time. I mean, they just want to love Vince Carter here. This guy has so much talent. Just look at this spectacular. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That is what katakuksatai means. Vince Carter says, I'm going up and over you. I'm going to posterize you for the rest of eternity. People will remember you, not because of who you are, but because I dunked over you. I'm going to dominate you. I'm going to triumph over you. And when I think about God's mercy and his judgment, while God has to be a judge, while he has to have a law of life that's the framework for a beautiful life of someone living with Jesus. He also has mercy. And when mercy and judgment go head to head, mercy always wins. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And as I read this verse, I see a different picture of God, not just because it's mercy going against judgment, but it's a picture of the very heart of God a God that loves to show mercy. All throughout the Bible it talks about it. Luke talks about it. It says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Psalms says it. You, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and abundant in mercy. Abundance! He's got more than enough. It never stops. He just keeps giving it. Uh, you got this verse. We, uh, this, this verse, we, we sang this in a hymn just a moment ago. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How about this one? This is in that song that touched my life. Micah 7, it says this. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgression of the remnant of His inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Come on, he loves to show mercy. That's the God that I know that delights in being merciful. He loves to show mercy. He lives for opportunities to show grace and compassion. He can't wait to give mercy where it's undeserved and unexpected. God delights in showing mercy. You know, as I was writing this sermon, I was trying to find the perfect closing illustration. Sometimes they come easy, sometimes they come hard. This week was difficult. I mean, I made phone calls like, hey, help me, help me work through this. What's the, what's the perfect illustration? And because this is so personal to me, I thought a personal illustration would be best. I found a video that would make you cry. It made me cry. I mean, I was so embarrassed. I'm in Panera Bread watching a Facebook video and tears are streaming down my cheeks. People are looking. Leave me alone. I'm writing my sermon. I found the illustration, though. 
it may be a little, uh, a little childish, but I think you'll connect with it because we all were children at one point in time. I have a sister. She's two years older than me. Her name is Mindy. Uh, she is one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. If you get a chance to meet her, you are blessed. Uh, we've been good friends our whole lives. I just got to see her recently. She came down from Minnesota. And uh, our whole lives, we've been buddies and friends and close. And, and I'm sure we argued more than I remember, but I felt like we've always been pretty close. And as we were kids, um, we, man, we did so much fun things. Like late at night, after we put to bed, Mom, you're, she's, my mom's here. Don't, don't listen carefully, Mom. Uh, we'd get up with our flashlights and go in the closet and read. Um, oftentimes, we would decide we wanted to rearrange our rooms. And so we would take our furniture and try to move them down the hallway into our, each other's rooms without letting the parents know. Like, that, this is, that's a challenge. It's, not, it's very difficult, just so you know. And um, I, you remember one time that we got in an argument. We were in the living room. I'm probably four. She's six. She's sitting on the couch. I'm sitting on the floor next to her. And I don't even remember what the argument was about. But I didn't like what she was saying. And as her arm was dangling over the side of the couch, I decided to exert my four-year-old strength. And I took hold of her arm, and I put my mouth on it, and I bit down as hard as I could. The scream that erupted from the living room could be heard across the state of Tennessee. My mom rushed in. The evidence of the perfect teeth marks on her arm condemned me for sure. Guilty, convicted, fully judged. There had to be punishment that would come. And my mom, as so many other moms and dads do, as they try to teach their kids not to bite, she comes up with the, the, the best punishment ever, and she says, Mindy, I want you to bite your brother. <laughs> my eyes got big. Mindy's eyes got big. We looked at each other. We looked at mom. Is she serious? But I'm four years old. I'm stubborn. And so I'm not going to even have a problem with this. So I just stick my arm out. And I feel my sister put two hands on my arm. And I feel her put her mouth on my arm. And I am waiting for the searing pain of teeth ripping through flesh. And I feel her teeth barely touch the surface of my arm. Nobody else knows but me and her. Mom doesn't know, but I know, and there's no pain because she doesn't bite, and she shows me mercy. I don't know what your picture of God looks like. He's a merciful God. He loves to show mercy. He lives to show mercy. Your picture of Him may be a God that is angry, he might be a, a God to you that you think causes harm and pain. But I'm here to tell you this morning that our God is a God full of mercy. He delights in giving mercy, and His mercy triumphs over judgment. May you bask in the wonder of God's mercy, resting in His compassion and love for you, and may you continue to see God delighting to give you mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we are delighted to know that you are a God full of compassion and mercy. May we never take that for granted. May we live in honor and respect and reverence of how merciful you are. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name.
hope you were inspired by today's message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to contact one of our pastors, find out more about what we believe, or for information about our service times in Marietta, Georgia, please visit www.mariettaadventist.org. If you were inspired by today's message, please share it with your friends. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you.